Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. This segment, we have about nine minutes together uh, before we have to take a news break. And so in the next nine minutes, we're going to talk about uh, what I believe is one of the very few political issues which I am now seeing uh, uniting both the left and the right. We'll get to that in just a second. I want to tell you, too, that over the next uh, nine minutes or so, we are going to move through uh, a lot of trivia. All right, so get your notebooks out. This will all be on the test at the end of the week. Uh, this is a segment going to be jam-packed full of Lee Lonsberry trivia. Uh, first little bit of trivia stems from a question I asked in the last segment in a response I got just now uh, via uh, the KSL uh, Utah Community Credit Union text line, 57500. I am, let me just say, I am always uh, eager to hear from you via this text line. Any way you can get in touch with me, but the, the text line is so helpful. I have them all up right here in front of me, so the moment you send a note, I'm able to see it, and uh, it's, a, it's a nice way to interact here uh, back and forth. In the last segment, I was talking about this vaccine and the uh, remarkable developments announced by the Moderna company, along with uh, individuals at the National Institutes of Health. Well, they're making good progress on a vaccine. And so I, I put my hand up and I, t- I said uh, via a form online that I was willing to participate in the next stage of the testing if, you know, if, if I was uh, either qualified or they needed my help, whatever. I, I made it known that I was willing to participate. And I uh, threw out the question, what about you? Would you do the same thing? Would you be willing to uh, participate in a, a, an unknown study, really, uh, but a study which was aimed at hopefully helping us all out, uh, getting us closer to community or herd immunity? Uh, and I got a few responses. One of them here says, no, no, I saw I Am Legend. <laughs> you get that? You remember that movie, I Am Legend? Yeah, uh, Will Smith, uh, some sort of disease wipes out most of the population of the earth, and uh, he, for whatever reason, is immune to it. Uh, This is the first little bit of trivia. Do you know who wrote I Am Legend? You got to go all the way back to when it uh, it came about as a uh, as a short story. Yeah, a gentleman named Richard Matheson. Now, why why do I know that? Why is that uh, tip? When I was growing up, my mother and I and my siblings uh, on January first every year we would tune into the Sci Fi Channel and watch. Uh, the, the Twilight Zone Marathon. They still do it today. Uh, on New Year's Day, uh, the Sci-Fi Channel plays over and over and over, back to back to back to back, as many episodes of The Twilight Zone as they can cram in there. Uh, Richard Matheson authored about 16 uh, episodes of The Twilight Zone, including uh, including the William Shatner episode, uh, Nightmare at 20,000 Feet. Uh, he wrote a, a number of other uh, short stories and novels uh, as well, including What Dreams May Come. Remember that Robin Williams movie? Anyway, uh, that is a tangent, uh, but it is simply to say that Richard Matheson is a talented guy, and I am grateful to that texter bringing up I Am Legend uh, to, for reminding me uh, of the, the greatness and the great works of Richard Matheson. All of it f- fictional stuff, a, a nice little escape. Uh, some of it's scary. So if you have time, uh, see what you can pick up at the library by Richard Matheson. I think you'll enjoy it. All right. Now, <clears throat> that has nothing to do with the topic at hand. I told you that I had, I had single-handedly, well, 
<laughs> with the help of some others, uh, track down a political issue which uh, unites the right and the left. I want to start back at a rally which took place in 2017 in Phoenix where Trump talked about the need to end the filibuster. Here's Trump. We have to get rid of what's called the filibuster rule. We have to. And if we don't, the Republicans will never get anything passed. You're wasting your time. We have to get rid of the filibuster rule. Right now, we need 60 votes, and we have 52 Republicans. That means that eight Democrats are controlling all of this legislation. We have over 200 bills. All right. Before I get into you know the nitty-gritty of what he was talking about there with the 60 votes versus the 52 and the eight Democrats controlling, we'll get into that in just a moment. But I want to remind you, uh, some of the famous filibusters uh, in, in history. Here we go back to 2013. Do you remember this one? Remember 2013 uh, when Ted Cruz, I, I, if I'm honest, I think this is when Ted Cruz really made a name for himself. This is where, at least a, a, on my radar, he really appeared, where uh, for a number of hours uh, he went on uh, reading books like this. Do you like green eggs and ham? I do not like them, Sam I am. I do not like green eggs and ham. Would you like them here or there? I would not like them here or there. I would not like them anywhere. I do not like green eggs and ham. I do not like them, Sam I am. All right, now this, this next one goes back in time a little bit, and also to a fictional land. Uh, if you remember when Mr. Smith went to Washington, he had this to say as a filibuster. Mr. President, I stand guilty as framed because Section 40 is graft. And I was ready to say so. I was ready to tell you that a certain man in my state, a Mr. James Taylor, wanted to put through this dam for his own profit. A man who controls a political machine and controls everything else worth controlling in my state. Yes, and a man even powerful enough to control congressmen. And I saw three of them in his room the day I went up to see him. Senator, you yield. sir, I will not yield. I will not yield. And that's the point of it all. You don't have to yield. If you, uh, under these circumstances, if you start talking and you are a U.S. senator on the floor, you are entitled to as much time as you can fill. And uh, there have, throughout the course of history, uh, been some marathon filibusters, uh, including the longest one in history, I think just over 24 hours, uh, handled by Strom Thurmond. Uh, there's, there are other examples as well. In fact, uh, Rand Paul, uh, he stage one of the longer filibusters in recent uh, history. He talked about um, some of the dangers of drone strikes to U.S. citizens on American soil. It went on for about 12 hours. I've got some audio that we're going to hold off uh, for a moment. And I want to tell you about my assertion that this issue here has united folks from both parties. You heard in 2017 President Trump railing against the filibuster. And I can tell you, he, subsequent to that, uh, tweeted a lot about the filibuster and how it must end. Well, today we are seeing that former Vice President Joe Biden, current presidential candidate, is now open to ending the practice of the filibuster in the Senate. Now, w w why is the filibuster dangerous? And why is the filibuster right now uh, on the receiving end of, of the ire from both Democrats and Republicans? 
it, it changes the nature of, of majority rule, essentially, uh, or at least majority votes. Uh, there, once, a, once a filibuster begins, it requires uh, 60 votes to bring that uh, to an end. There are 52 uh, Republicans in the U.S. Senate right now, and it requires 60 votes to end a filibuster. And a filibuster can go on forever. So if there is a piece of legislation that a single senator uh, doesn't like, they can either threaten to or they can actually filibuster. And then, and that's it. That's it because you're not going to get 60 individuals in the U.S. Senate to agree on something. And so it, at least in modern times, in my humble opinion, has rendered the U.S. Senate impotent for the most part. There is much that could be done that is not getting done because uh, this rule is in place. And Joe Biden now, presidential candidate, is on board with possibly adjusting that. And you've got to remember, too, he not only is a former vice president, but he also spent 35 years, three and a half decades as a senator. He knows what's up. He understands the impact of uh, the filibuster and the way that it can be used and wielded against a, either party uh, to bring deliberation to a screeching end and a screeching halt. And so we'll see. We now have both presidential candidates on board with changing the filibuster rule. Now it is solely the U.S. Senate which is empowered to make that change, and so we'll see if something comes about that on that end. But uh, I am heartened to see at least that there is an issue finally Finally, uh, that both Republicans and Democrats uh, can agree on. We're going to take a break. When we come back, joined uh, by a good friend of mine, Debbie Dejanovic, we're going to be talking about the plans that are being considered and deliberated and formulated by districts around the state as far as reopening their doors to students in the fall. That's coming up next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio.